This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. C. Thomas Perry. Dr. Perry's insights into the supernatural following a near-death experience offer a profound view of life, death, eternity, and deep questions of human existence. Dr. Perry, thank you so much for joining me and welcome. It's a pleasure, Jeff. Great to be with you. All right. Most of my audience love to hear about near-death experiences. So if you don't mind, can we start on the day that yours happened? Sure, straight in. Um, I'll, I'll actually start a few days beforehand. I, I, um, I was having chest pain. Um, I was at the time I was forty-nine years of age, uh, and just just getting some crampy chest sensations. And and at that age, knowing you know heart issues can be a problem, I went to my doctor and explained it, and she she gave me ECG tests and uh, told me to just wait until these results came back and um, the pain just sort of hung around for a few days and she said to me look you know take it easy don't do any any strong exertion just relax a little bit and and, uh, just in case you know we just want to be on the safe side so I did that for about a week and then things seemed to be improving so I uh I decided, ah, oh, I've had enough of this sitting around and, and want to start, um, you know, doing some gardening work in the in the backyard of my house. So I went and grabbed the uh, the lion trimmer, you know, whipper snipper, as we call them in Australia, and uh, started to try and start the machine. Well, of course, they are very stubborn, stubborn machines at times, and, and it wouldn't start. So I was pulling very hard on the start cord for some period of time when suddenly... I had this massive like thump in the chest and and a huge cramping sensation and I knew uh, straight away that I was having a heart attack at that point in time. Uh, The the feeling was very strong. And uh, so I just stopped and and stood there just, you know, trying to cope with the pain and the cramping sensation when I heard a very, very loud, loud voice in my head. Uh, Look, I I don't know if this was audible or if it was just within me but this voice just said to me extremely clearly and loudly uh, you are going to die but I have things for you to do uh, which for me was quite a quandary and I just basically stood there and said well which is it die or have things to do uh, and, and this voice just said to me go inside ring an ambulance and pack your bag so I thought okay I'm not going to question this. It, it was such a powerful and strong thing that occurred that I just did that and went inside and rang an ambulance and packed a bag with a few clothes and they arrived in probably five to ten minutes. Uh, it was uh, the poor ambulance operator. There was two of them. One of them was his first day on duty, so he was it was um, a little pale and shaky and nervous. And uh, so he, he was the one who treated me and... They gave me morphine and um, nitroglycerol, which is used to bring the blood pressure down and loaded me into the ambulance and off we headed for hospital. And on the way, he said to me, uh, look, I, I'll give you another another shot of morphine to um, 
you know, lower your blood, blood pressure and just take precautions. And he did that. And almost as soon as he did it, I started to spin and feel dizzy. And I just said to him, look, I, I'm going to pass out. And, uh, and I did. Uh, I blacked out at that point in time. And uh, at that moment, I found myself just floating in darkness, complete darkness, complete silence, no sensation, no sound, no nothing. And I could feel myself, and I was very aware of myself just floating around in this darkness, completely weightless. And this went on for some period of time, and then... I started to adjust. Now, this wasn't like the sort of conscious experience you have every day. This was a very, very different experience. It was a little like a dream, but far more vivid and far more real than a dream. So I was floating in this darkness and gradually it started to occur to me that I thought, hey, I think I have actually died here. I think I'm dead. And with that realisation came quite a lot of fear and uh that fear seemed to take hold of me and start to drag me downward. And I felt myself starting to fall and I, I looked down, which is always a mistake. Uh, I looked down and, and beneath me I could just sense this huge black abyss and whatever was down there did not feel good and I didn't want to head in that direction. So, uh, look, I was, I was a Christian, um, not necessarily living a wonderful Christian life at the time, but I just, at that point, I just said, Jesus, help me, and just screamed out with everything I had in me, um, you know, help me, get me out of this situation. And I continued to float and continued to drift downwards uh, and was really starting to be afraid when, when this hand just reached down and grabbed me, grabbed me by the arm and just said, you don't want to go that way and started to lift me upwards very, very quickly and... The sensation was so fast. I mean, much faster than travelling in a, a car. It was things were just blurring past me so quickly and I was feeling myself being lifted at an incredible rate. Uh, and this went on for what felt like a minute or two. And then finally uh, this, this being stopped and, and I found myself floating in this cloud-like environment with very um, dim sort of lighting. Uh, and then I, I realised there was probably about five or six angelic beings just standing around me. And um, I, I was a little bit overwhelmed and just lay there uh, sort of gasping, not physically, of course, but, but just totally overwhelmed by the situation and, and started to just feel this sensation within me, which was one of uh, extreme love is the only way I can describe it. Uh, it was as if, I don't know if you remember early childhood times with your mother and being, you know, totally blissed out by being uh, held by your mother and loved. It was a sensation similar to that, but, but amplified enormously. It, it was a hundred times greater than that. I just felt this ultimate sense of belonging this ultimate sense of being at home, this ultimate sense of being loved. Uh, and it was as if my chest was exploding with this love, I just as, as if I couldn't contain it. It was so big and so beautiful. So I was just lying there basking in this love and, um, and the, this, this being that came and, and collected me started to speak to me, although he didn't speak with words. 
his lips were not moving, but I, I heard his thoughts within myself very, very clearly. Uh, and he said to me, um, you have died and now you have a choice to make because we can take you with us and we can go on into paradise or we can send you back into your life, but the choice is yours at this point. So you need to think about this and decide what you want to do. So I, I was just lying there a bit overwhelmed by the whole situation and um, I should mention at this time that the sensation of being in the presence of these angelic beings was just something else, was just wow. Um, I consider myself to be a reasonably intelligent man. I have a PhD, you know, I'm a, I'm a lecturer or a professor at universities and uh, but in their presence I, I felt small, <laughs> like very, very small, very simple, very humble because these beings were just emanating a level of knowledge and wisdom that I just could not comprehend. It was so immense. Uh, so the whole sensation for me was one of real humility and not only humility, but I, I felt in their presence, I felt almost filthy being human. Uh, I just felt like, whoa, I, I am just not even worthy to be in the presence of these beings. They are just, they are just so far beyond me. And that, that was the sensation that I experienced at that time. So I started to um, think about my situation. And at the time I had a, a eight-year-old son, 12-year-old daughter, you know, 15-year-old daughter. And, and uh, I also had an older daughter that was brain injured and she'd been in a wheelchair for many years and, and I was her only parent that she would see on a regular basis. So I just thought to myself, gee, I really feel an obligation to go back and look after those kids. But uh, it was a very difficult decision, Jeff, because the, the sensation, the, the beauty of being there in that, in that moment and in that spiritual body, that spiritual realm was so amazing and so uh, so wonderful that I just really did not want to leave it. And I, I was so tempted to just say, no, I, I want to stay here. That was, you know, my initial thought. But the more I considered my children and my situation, I, I just thought, no, I, I really do feel I have, to, um, I have to go back. I don't feel my work is done on earth. I don't feel I've completed my tasks that I would like to have done in my life. And uh, at that point I said, yeah, look, I, I think I would like to go back. Um, and this, this one being who'd come to get me, he, he turned around to the angels and said, um, go and check the vessel. And I gather he, he was talking about my body. So one of the angels left and, and in the distance I could see myself lying in the ambulance, like at, at extreme distance. I could see my body down there in the ambulance and uh, could see the ambulance worker sort of fussing around over me and, and obviously trying to resuscitate me. And the, the angel actually went down. I saw the angel descend down and was, was there looking at my body and evaluating the situation. And this, this was for quite some time. And in the meantime, I was left there and, and I just said to this one being, who are you? And he said, I'm the one you call Lord. And there's only one being I call Lord who is, is Jesus. And, and uh, at that point, I just sort of realised, wow, here I am uh, with Jesus himself. And I, I was just overwhelmed with that thought too, you know, and um, just just basically fell at his feet and just said, this is incredible. You, you are incredible. And he said, um, 
I had been through some very difficult times, Jeff, prior to this, um, you know, with my daughter being hit by a car and brain injured, uh, you know, to the point of really she should have been dead. Uh, I had extreme difficult times uh, with being drugged by people in, in a cult that I knew and it was, it was a really like a difficult life prior to this time. And, and um, I think I'd experienced a lot of internal damage psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. And he said to me, I'm, I'm just going to go inside you and heal you. I'm just going to go inside you and fix you up. So I, I felt his I felt his presence come into me at that point and start to shift and change things and, and rearrange and restore things within me. Uh, and I also, at that point in time, felt who he was and the extent of his awareness. Uh, and that is probably the high point of my existence uh, to date of anything that's ever happened to me, was just having that sensation of knowing what Jesus knew. At that point, it was as if I had the awareness of anything anywhere in the universe, I could have just known what was happening at any given point. It was this sense of, I call it omniscience, uh, just all knowing at that point in time, just for that brief moment. And uh, that was a, an incredible experience. That, that was, as I said, the highlight of my life, uh, for sure, my life, my death, whatever it was at that point in time. Anyway, he, he fixed me, he, he healed me, he rearranged me inside emotionally and spiritually. And um, then he said, okay, uh, it looks like you're going to be sent back. The angel returned and said, the vessel is good, was the wording he used. So I said, we're going to send you back, but there's certain things that are going to occur in your life that I want to talk to you about. So he, he started to, to mention some people I was going to meet, things that were going to happen to me. And at that point, they actually, it was like they opened a, a veil and, and showed me images. And I was actually watching moments from my own future that he was giving me pointers and telling me what would happen and what I needed to watch out for and be aware of. Uh, just a few little things, which did turn out to be very, very accurate. And, uh, that was just an amazing thing also to know that they were just able to bring the future in and look at it and watch it. And I was realising, well, time is, is very relative when you're outside of this physical realm. So uh, this, this went on for a period of time and then he, he said, okay, gave me the warnings, gave me the directions. He said, look, there is no guarantees when we send you back. It's up to you. It's up to how you live your life. It's up to the decisions that you make as to what your eventual destiny will be. Um, but he just sort of said, remember, I'm, I'm with you, you know, and I, I love you. And then he basically sent me back and I, I felt myself floating again in, it was like being in deep water, just this weightless floating sensation. And I came upward and surfaced. And as I hit the surface of this, this water, I was back in my body and took a, a massive breath and, um, found myself in my body again but uh, the sensation of re-entry was not pleasant uh having been in this beautiful spiritual uh existence to hit the physical body again was like hitting concrete uh it felt so heavy and so clumsy and, and so um sort of thick in comparison to that beautiful floating spiritual sensation i've been i've been 
experiencing there. Um, the comparison between the earthly life and that that heavenly realm is is non-existent. It doesn't compare. That that is reality. This spiritual realm of of what we call heaven or paradise or whatever you want to name it. That is a reality so far greater than than what we experience in this physical existence that I, I couldn't even begin to compare it. This is so far inferior what we live with here. Um, the, the the whole experience of of those angelic beings, the whole experience of that heavenly sort of love that was within me and surrounding me, was something special to the point of exceptional. Um, and to come back into the body was harsh. It felt harsh. It, it felt, oh, boy, here I am again in this, <laughs> not where I really would rather be. Uh, it was so interesting. The, the, the uh, ambulance officer was standing over me with two defibrillator pads and he was about to zap me uh, to bring me back to life. And he just stood there and said, oh, wow, you're back with us. And I said, yeah, I uh, I must have been gone for ages. What's been happening? And he, he sort of looked confused and said to me, no, it's only been a minute. Your heart stopped. It's been a minute. I was about to resuscitate you. And I, I was absolutely amazed by this because the amount of time it felt that I had spent in that experience would, would have been 20 minutes to half an hour easily, if not longer. So, so there was just no sort of relevance to time in that realm and time here you know, on earth. So there, there I was and um, alive and he, he was really interesting because he said some things to me that was amazing. You know, I mentioned to you, I, I felt as if I was floating in water and, and I had no shirt on when I woke up and I said, where's my shirt? And he said, oh, look, it was sopping wet. I threw it over in the corner here and, and I said, okay, great. Um, do you want to give it back to me and, and he passed it back to me and, and I said, this shirt is bone dry. This shirt is absolutely dry and he was shocked. He stood there and said, no, that shirt was sopping wet. It was just so weird. Uh, it, it was like something had bled through from my experience and he was actually feeling a wet shirt as if I was floating in the water. Anyway, we went off to hospital and um, it didn't really stop there. Uh, I was still very aware of this sort of angelic presence, even, even when I was in the hospital. Um, and they were continuing to, to speak into me and I, I was hearing things they were, they were saying here and there. Uh, and it was the doctor came to me, the, the uh, cardiac specialist came to me and, um, you know, talked about the whole situation and said, we're going to have to, give you a stent, it looks like, and they gave, ran tests on me, said, yes, you've had a heart attack. Uh, and the angels had said to me at this point, we've healed three arteries, but there's one we haven't healed. And I thought, wow, okay. When they ran the tests and did the scans, the, the doctor came to me and said, um, well, he said, you're, you're one of those very special people who's looks like you've had a heart attack in the past and, and, the arteries have rerouted around around the blockages. They've, they've grown around the blockages. So you're a very fortunate person. And I thought to myself, well, maybe, or maybe this is something that they actually did to me. Um, to cut the long story short, they then ins inserted the stent in my heart, which opened up that one blockage in the artery. And um, I was 
you know, feeling a lot better at that point. And I, I asked uh, friends of mine and family, I said, look, bring me a Bible. <laughs> I've, I've got to look into this. I've got to find out more about this. This is amazing. So they, they did that. And the most incredible things were happening. I, I would just throw open the Bible to read something. And every time I did it, like I must have done it 10 times, every time I did that, something about being raised from the grave, like the story of Lazarus or, or um, Psalm 16 that says, you know, I've raised you from the grave and brought you up. Uh, and just time after time after time, I would just throw it open and these these verses would come up, which were just talking about being brought back from the dead or, or, or everything. I couldn't avoid it no matter what I did. So I, I knew this was very much still the communication of that heavenly realm into me at that point in time. Uh, so that all played out and I, I was restored and gradually got my strength back after the heart attack. And uh, I guess that's where I should throw back to you, Jeff, and say that that was the experience itself, but it doesn't end there. Life goes on. Thank you for sharing that with us, Dr. Perry. I want to start by asking you, do you recall what the angels and Jesus looked like? I do. I do. It's actually very interesting because everybody asks this question and everyone wants to know what they looked like. Um, that's interesting because at the time when, when I was with them, that was the least relevant or important thing. Uh, I, I wasn't worried by what they looked like. I was experiencing them. I was experiencing their, their soul, their being. I was feeling who they were. Uh, sight was almost a secondary consideration. It, it wasn't really that important. But, yeah, look, look, Jesus himself, yeah, beard, normal, fairly skinny face, not, not, not a large face like mine, but uh, narrow nose, um, just beautiful eyes. Looking into his eyes felt like just uh, being overwhelmed with love was part of the sensation. Uh, nothing particularly remarkable about his appearance, which is why I, I sort of had to ask, who are you? Because it, it, there was no identifying crowns or thrones or anything like that that, that went along with it. It was He was just another one of these angelic beings, but he was in charge of them, very obviously. He was he was giving them directions and telling them what to do, and, and very obviously he was the leader in that situation. Uh, he had, like, white white garment on, um, beard. The angels themselves were quite a lot larger, taller. Uh, they, I don't know if you've seen the film Lord of the Rings and some of the statues of the old kings in Lord of the Rings, they looked a little bit like that. Very noble, very tall, uh, very aquiline faces um, and very still, just very still and very calm. And it was like they were emanating wisdom. It was like wisdom was just flowing out of them was the sensation I had. Once again, long robes, uh, whitish. I mean, I mean, that's about all I can recall. Uh, you know, not what I, I didn't see any big wings or, or things like that. No, it was just, they were just beings, large, tall, shiny, and very powerful beings. How has your relationship with your religion changed afterwards? Interesting question, yeah. Um, look, as I said, I was a Christian prior. Um, and did this change it? Oh, you bet it did. Yeah, um, it stopped being a religion. 
by that I mean religion is like a series of rules and regulations and, and you know, a, a way of living, a code, if you like, of, of ways we should live our lives. And it just stops being that at all. At, at this point, it started being very much a direct relationship with the being I had been with, which was totally different. Uh, I'd always had a thought that I had a relationship with, with Jesus but this became something to a new level where I, I felt I could talk to him and hear back. And, and um, you know, prayer just went to another level altogether. It, it was more like what we would consider telepathic communication than it was traditional prayer, I give me this, I ask for that, you know. I, I found myself so much closer to God and uh, that has remained. I, I still feel that way. Um it, it also, you know, religion is very much a question of faith and whether you choose to believe, and it, it stopped being that for me. It stopped being a question of faith. It started to just be a knowledge. Uh, it's I know that God is there. I know Jesus is real because of the experience I've had. So there is no room for doubt in my life anymore, um, which has really been amazing. Also... Uh, just the experiencing of that heavenly realm, it just opened my whole awareness up to another level where what I see and experience in, in this physical life, I realise there's a layer cake of dimensions above us. It's not just this physical realm. We, we have all sorts of other existences and universes laying, laying above us and probably below us, which thankfully I didn't experience. But... Uh, it, it's helped me to understand that visions and dreams and, and um, those sorts of things that, it, that occur in the more spiritual realm are so real and our world has chosen to largely ignore such things, to, to lock them out, to um, consider that only those things that are provable and scientific are worth listening to. Well, exactly the opposite is the case from my experience. Those things those spiritual realities are very much above what we experience in the physical. And um, that, that's, that's been the biggest change for me. I believe you said earlier that he pointed out things that would happen to you in the future. Can you give us some examples of those? Look, sure. Um, it was, it, it's a, a, a difficult because he gave me a direction and a warning and, and it all proved to be quite true. Look, I won't go into too much detail because it is very personal. But um, he said to me, you know, you're, you're going to meet a woman. Uh, and he said, you know, you're going to help her, but she's going to be a risk to you in the long run. And I, uh, when I was lying in the hospital, one of the things these angelic voices said to me was, she is within one kilometre of you right now. I was, oh, okay. Uh, and, and sure enough, only probably three, four weeks after coming out of hospital, I did meet this woman who I didn't end up marrying and she was literally about 800 metres from that hospital. So it was very clear, that, you know, that they had directed me that way. Now, now that marriage didn't work out, which, you know, I, I still don't understand why that might have occurred, but that was part of the warning he gave me. He said, look, it's, it's going to end up being a risk to you, so be prepared for that. And I just felt he was preparing me and making me ready for the things I was going to go through. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's the most simple and obvious example. 
Um, there was other things uh, to do with, you know, my, my daughter who was in a wheelchair, she passed away about a year later and sort of preparing me for that event. So, so I was ready when it, when it occurred. Um, all sorts of other things like, like distant futures, little glimpses of things um, which, you know, have to do with, I guess, the destiny of the earth and, and not, not specific things but just glimpses of what was coming yeah, in, in the future, yeah. Um, you know, I don't think it's particularly good news, a lot of it, uh, although eventually I think it will be very good news. What are your thoughts about the future already being played out since you experienced in one sort of way? Because it sounds like that he gave you the future, but then he gave you a choice based on the future. Yeah, that was very much a part of what happened. He, he actually did explain a little to me about choices when he said you know it's up to you it's the choices you make when you go back into your life uh the choices you make in your life are what will write your future and and whether you do come back and go into paradise or not that he said that is that is entirely up to the choices you make and the life that you lead um I, i gained this understanding that we live this this branching possibilities universe that that uh, if we choose to go one way it, it can change our destiny and that he is able to comprehend <coughs> excuse me he's able to comprehend what will happen no matter which branch we take and that it, it's we are given this thing free will to make these choices and that, that the destinies that occur in our lives result directly from these choices that we make and I, I came back with a very clear understanding of that uh, and have tried to be very careful, although not always careful enough. I am only human after all. But um, these choices definitely write who we become and what sort of person we become and what sort of life we lead and what sort of impact we have in this dimension. Can you give us a little insight into how your views on life, death, and eternity changed after the experience? Yeah, very good question. Um, I've never felt the same about death since then. Um, obviously, it's it's something that, that I used to be afraid of, like most people, you know, death is, is something to be feared. But from the moment I came back, I, I lost that fear of death. I didn't lose the fear of what was beneath me in that dark pit, mind you, when I was floating, but I lost my fear of dying. And that, um, to me, I understood, wow, we really are an eternal soul. We really are a soul that just goes on. Uh, One of the interesting things about being in that spiritual realm was that my thoughts were, were gone not in the sense that I wasn't thinking, but in the sense that I've come to the awareness that the brain is a bit like a calculating machine, that, that our mind just is constantly in there weighing things up. What if this, maybe that, um, you know, which is so much a cause of our anxiety and stress, really, when, when you think about like that way. It, it's just a machine that keeps weighing things up and calculating what we're going through in our lives. Should I do this? Should I do that? A or B? Uh, and when that was gone, 
I actually felt far more purely myself and who I am right at my core, which is just me, my soul. And that was beautiful because it, it took away all of the stress. It took away all of the anxiety of life. And it was just a calm sense of existing. Right? And I've realized, well, that's who we are in the long run. It's just I am who I am, which is interestingly the name God gives himself. I, I am who I am. I just am who I am. I'm happy to be who I am. And I will continue to be that after death. So it, it's very interesting that my experience with, with people has been one where um, quite often it's just been these coincidental coincidental meetings with people who happen to have a loved one who's about to die or who has just died, uh, people who've come into to contact with, with death or, or have had some sort of death experience themselves. And it, it's just been amazing how these people have been drawn to me and I've been able to uh, share my experience with them and, and give them my book and talk to them about the, the whole heavenly realm and the fact that there's a good outcome, you know, that there's, there's a lot of love there and a lot of mercy there and those sorts of things. So for me, death is no longer the big boogeyman. Um, death is, there's, there's a verse in the Bible that says, death, where is your victory? It's, it's not a victory for death. It's actually a victory for life. And, and that's the big change that I've had in that particular uh, aspect. Yeah. What do you have your PhD in and has this experience changed you professionally? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good question. I, my PhD is in like media and communication area. Uh, I've had that since 2000 and, and been working in higher education since then. Uh, this is a good lead into uh, something that I've heard some of your other guests talk about, which is it takes time to process. An experience of this dimension really does take a long time to digest. At first, you are overwhelmed with the experience and, and the magnificence of it and the power of it. And you want to tell the world about it and you want to tell everybody about it, but that is very quickly squashed by people's reactions. Um, so many people simply don't want to believe it or don't want to know about it. So they look for as many ways as they can find to discredit it. Oh, you were having hallucinations. Oh, you know, this is, this is just because you were dying, your brain was shutting down and you experienced these things. You know, it's not real. It's not real. And almost desperately trying to disprove it. Um, and, of course, you know, there's also those people say, oh, you're a crazy man. You know, just, just go away. I don't want to listen to you. So I, I was very cautious after experiencing that a few times with people. I was extremely cautious about who and when I, I actually revealed this information because I began to realise, look, it's not for everyone. Not everybody wants to hear this. Not everybody wants to know this. So, so my response has been to be very selective about how I let this information out. It took me, I think, about seven years before I wrote my book and published the book, um, largely because of this reason, that I didn't want to come across this sort of discredit that you experience. And it wasn't just through ego or, or anything like that. 
but more, no, this is special. This is a very special experience and it needs to be handled in a special way and it needs to be communicated in a special way. I'm quite open about doing it on a podcast such as this because that's what you deal with. That's what you talk about. But to just talk to people in everyday life about it, it's a bit of an overload for a lot of people. They don't even believe in anything outside of this physical reality and they don't want to believe in anything outside this physical reality. So as soon as you came back, were you confident that this experience was real or did you have any self-doubt and then you later confirmed it? The only self-doubt I experienced was not self-doubt. It was actually doubt that was put into me by other people. Um, Immediately I was back in that ambulance and awake. It was not just real. It was far more than any reality I'd ever experienced. This is why it's just so different to any hallucination or, or dream. They're not real, you know, you know they're not real. But but um, this was so starkly real that, that I couldn't deny it. And, and that's what takes a long time to digest, that something so outside of our experience is so powerful and is so real and yet is so locked out of where we live and our experience in this, in this world, um, which is a really unfortunate thing because there's so much to be learned from accepting it and you know, wanting to wanting to learn more about that sort of existence and that sort of dimension. Could you say that that reality was more real than our earthly reality? Immensely so. This this feels like third or fourth prize, really. You know, um, it, it's so limiting after having been there just for that short period of time and just experiencing what is possible. Uh, in that realm and, and what is normal in that realm is bliss. It's the only word for it. It, it is absolute bliss. And uh, we're so used to living in this struggle for existence, um, this struggle over money, this struggle over housing and struggles over everything we do in our life. We feel like we're constantly trying to climb a ladder to to just get by. Whereas in that realm, Everything is there for you, everything you ever would need, everything you ever would want. It's like the Bible's full of, the Bible is just full of uh, descriptions of this. You know, it says he will wipe away every tear. Um, death will be gone, you know. Um, you'll be filled with joy. And, and that's exactly what I experienced uh, when I was there. In your opinion, what is the point of human life? Like, what are we doing here? Now we're getting deep, mm-hmm. uh, and it's good deep. Uh the point of human life, what I have come back with is something I already sort of knew intellectually was that I think the highest point of human existence is love, right? That thing we call love. Now, it's interesting. In English, there's one word, love. In in other languages, there's multiple words for love. Um, In the Greek the word agape, it's it's self-sacrificial love, love where you are willing to help other people and look after them and support them and, and do whatever you can for them, that sort of love, not not erotic love, not not that. It's, it's a different sort of love. It's love for just love for people and just a desire to help them and a desire to, to make them uh, do better and be uplifted, you know. That, that sort of love, I think, is the high point which is exactly what Jesus said when he was here, which is, you know, love one another, love one another. That was his great commandment. Um, And to me, that is the whole point 
of human existence. If we do love each other and help each other and support each other, then we are fulfilling what we are here to do. Um, and, and I believe somehow that is what that is what God, the universe, is trying to teach us in this in this lifetime. Is you know, head towards love, head away from hatred, anger, violence, all those sorts of things. Head towards love, practice love, live love, make love a part of your being. And if you do that, you're you're well on the way. I mean, there's further steps than that, but that is that is the one basic, most important thing. After your experience and you came back, did you find yourself generally more loving towards people, like even strangers? That that's a difficult question to answer. It, it's look a constant part of the the re the reentry into an earthly life is that you're stuck in it again. You, you know, you're, you're here in this physical body again, and the same rubbish is in you and around you and and it's not like you're transformed it's not like you're totally transformed in the moment it's it's an ongoing i guess integration of that experience into your life so no i haven't been a perfect loving wonderful human being no the times i've probably been pretty horrible but behind all of that there is this knowledge of that love, that it is there and that it is so immense and so powerful and that it is within me. And it's more a case of our human weakness. We get angry. We, we hurt people. It's not that we mean to. It's not that we always intend to. It's just human nature. And um, this, this has just helped me to understand that there is also a lot of mercy from God. God is not the grumpy old man throwing lightning bolts at us. That is not who God is. I think that's a very unfortunate image that, that has been brought about over the centuries. God is a being that wishes the best for us, that wishes us to rise up to new heights and to develop and to expand and to, and to become greater beings that we are. And, and that's a part of the transition. That's a part of the process of, of learning and of growing and of living. And, and um, those who deny that and are what we would call selfish, greedy individuals will not experience that sort of loss. Uh, I, I think that's the best way to answer it and just say, look, I'm, I haven't become perfect, but I certainly, I would say my eyes have been opened. My inner eyes have been opened, yeah. What if my guest told me that coming back to Earth was so traumatic that he or she suffered PTSD from coming back. Would you say that it was nearly that traumatic for you? Yes. Oh, very much so, yeah. Uh, it, it was months, if not years, uh, of just long periods of time sitting alone, running through what had happened, what it meant to me. Um, it made me feel very alone because there was very few people I could talk to about this who could understand. Um, it, it's beautiful when, once you've experienced this to find somebody else who's had a similar experience because suddenly ah, we can openly talk about this stuff without people accusing you of insanity, you know. Uh, so, so, yeah, look, it, it's, it's a long journey. It's a long journey of integration. It's a long journey of learning how to live with the 
I guess, the quandary of there's this existence, there's that existence. One is perfect, one is greatly flawed, and here I am stuck in this flawed existence. And I was very depressing for quite some period of time because I, I really just want to be back there. Mm-hmm. I really want to be there. And, I mean, this if there's one thing I want to get through from this podcast and this message is you don't want to miss out on that. You want to make that your life's goal is to get there because it's far too good to miss out on. Um, and I, I think that was the hard part was, well, you know, even people in my own family sort of dismissing and, and not taking it seriously, but you know the immense importance of what it is you've experienced and how much it can change lives and how much it can really impact people and, and, and help them, yet people just want to close their eyes to it. That, that, I think, was the hard bit. I, I did find myself quite depressed and not feeling I was able to live my life properly for some period of time. Um, felt like second best, as I said. You know, it, it just didn't feel full anymore. Even the joy I would experience here was like, oh, okay, well, that's a tenth of what I've experienced in that, in that realm. So yeah, the, they are the hard things, and, and uh, it took me a long time to work through that and to just get back to a point where I could just appreciate life. After your experience, have you sat for quite a long time and thought about why you were going in the wrong direction from the beginning? And if so, have you come up to any conclusions why you were going in that direction? And have you made any changes not to do that again? Yeah. Look, I think there's a couple of factors in in why. One, I wasn't living a perfect life by any means. You know, I, I was certainly not the person I wanted to be at that point in time. Number two, I was afraid in the moment. And fear, I think, is a very, very damaging um, emotion or or whatever it is you want to call it. Uh, And that fear, I believe, is what was driving me down. The fear itself was what was taking me downwards. Um, So so that's a couple of reasons. Also, as I said, I, I felt filthy, in their presence, and I think it's just part of the human state, is that we are, in comparison, we are very, very flawed. And this is what, you know, religion talks about original sin and and all this, you know, these tendencies we have to do evil. And I think that is very much what drags us down, Um, whereas love is what drags us up. And, And I believe it was my love for God is the aspect that actually saved me in that moment because I cried out to him and said, look, you know, help me, come and help me. I I need you. You And and I think that in itself, that relationship is is the most important factor for if you are concerned about where you're going and what's going to happen to you in terms of eternity and, and afterlife, you need to talk to God. You need to come to know God. You need to accept that reality of, of a spiritual existence and and explore it and learn more about it. I mean, I'm a Christian. I would recommend talk to Jesus, read your Bible, learn about these things because there's so much wisdom in there that can, that can um, head you in the right direction. I mean, Jesus said, you know, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And that has so much meaning to me now. Those treasures are loving people. You know, doing good for people, do do those things, and you have treasures in heaven. So when when you do finally die, yeah, he'll he'll certainly want to look after you at that point. 
All right. Well, I'm going to switch gears on you here. What is the title of your book? Sure. The, the book is titled Dying to be Alive. All right. Oh, yeah. Where can we find that at? Okay. Well, look, it's most major bookstores online. You've got Amazon. I've actually published through a company called Ex Libris. I think you know, Barnes and Noble, all, all the main the main bookstores have it. It's just a case of searching, dying to be alive, see Thomas Perry is my author's name, and you will find it up there available. All right, great. Do you have a website? I have a Facebook page, see Thomas Perry author, and that's got a few interviews and little pieces about the book. I don't actually run a website. I just stick to the Facebook page. Do you have any other projects that you're working on right now that you want us to know about? Um, look, I, I'm in the early stages of, of writing another book, which is, it, I guess, an extension of the journey, um, dealing with our life on Earth, um, choice-making, you know, spiritual awareness, uh, where we stand in the world and where it's heading. Um, I, I have a very good understanding now of why there are things called good and evil, uh, how they relate to us in our lives. And I'm, I'm trying to write a book about standing up to what I see as almost a flood of evil that, that's going through the world at the moment. This is one of the things that he did show me, you know, was that the world was heading on a, a very bad trajectory and, and making a stand against this and actually trying to do good in the earth and do good in our lives and to resist the way the earth, the earth is being taken at the moment. That's my next project. Very early days, however, Jeff, it's going to be some time. Before we finish up here, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? It's very easy to discredit things like this, these sorts of experiences. It's very easy to, to not take them seriously, you know, the ravings of a crackpot or whatever. But um, I know because I've heard a lot of other people have had similar experiences and there are such strong parallels to my own experience that even scientifically, I, I just don't think there can be any doubt that this is a reality. The, the number of different experiences I've heard people have who come back with the same content, and I'm sure you'll back this up, Jeff, is quite stunning. And it just cannot be coincidence. It cannot be randomness. This is, this is definitely, there is a heaven above us. And there is God above us. And I'm in no doubt of that. And I can only just say, really, I, I would recommend that you spend the rest of your life seeking this out, going after it. As Jesus actually said, you know, knock, 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 and the door will be opened. Keep on knocking. It's continuous tense. Keep on knocking. Keep on looking for entry. Keep on trying to get there. Keep on trying to understand more and more about this, this other dimensional heavenly existence because it's our destiny and it's what God has in store for you. So I would really say talk to Jesus, pray, live a life of love, and, and those things I think will transform your life and take you on the journey that you really should be going on. Well, thank you for that message. And Dr. Perry, thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thanks very much, Jeff. It's been wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you and have a great evening. You too. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. 
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.